one of the coolest things I love about Turkish coffee is the historical and cultural aspect of it. Um, and that it was one of the first ways to brew coffee and how it changed culture in the Middle East, like, and how it got connected even with faith. Uh, a big part of why it grew a lot in the Middle East was because it was viewed as a substitute to alcohol. Um, this, this way of brewing this coffee and it was used as a means to keep people awake during their prayer or their studies. And it's so unique. And I think that's one of the coolest things about Turkish coffee is that aspect of it. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for everything you need to know about coffee. Today, we're going to talk about Turkish coffee, and I am joined in the studio by the lovely Katie. Hey, Katie. Hi. How are you? Very, very jet-lagged. Jet-lagged. Why are you jet-lagged? I just went on a trip. And your favorite rocket ship? Yes. Oh, into the sky, little Einstein. Do you remember that? Yes. Well, um, where did you go? I went to RYM. What is that? It's like a um, it's like a Christian camp. Yeah. On the beach. Well, I mean that's a plus. Mm-hmm. And what what beach? Laguna. In- Laguna in Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cool. And you just got back, and I was like, hey, come on in. Let's do these recordings. And you were like, I need about seven energy drinks. Yeah, I did not do that. <laughs> well, um, let me ask you this. Have you ever had Turkish coffee? I have not. Well, it is something that you are missing out on, because if you dial it in like we did on the show today with David Peters, uh, a good friend with Ten Boom Coffee Roasters, then it is pretty phenomenal. It is makes it, a great cup of coffee. Is that the sweet one? Um. So yes. So the one like you can put sugar in, mm-hmm. or you don't have to. I think I have made that before for you. I think you did. What'd you think about it? I thought it was good. I liked it actually. Yeah. Um, well, I initially did not like it, but I learned, um, that, you know, once you dial it in and you have a good recipe, that it's a great way to make coffee. Um, and you know, if I was making a cup of coffee and it was like, say a pour over, I might use, we'll say 18 grams of coffee. But with this, you use as little as like eight and a half grams for, you know, one serving. And so, it's a great afternoon, um, kind of a little pick-me-up, but not too much that it, like, keeps you awake at night. And then the guest today is super interesting. So, David, um, with Tim Boom Coffee Roasters. And um, so, let's just jump right into it, and let's let's talk to him and see what he has to say about Turkish coffee. David, good to have you on the show today. Glad to be on here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we, um, you know, you and I uh, kind of briefly ran into each other and and uh, um, made an initial introduction at um, a pretty cool little venue. And I think maybe we should just, you know, we'll we'll kind of kind of hint at it right here, and then we'll talk about it a little more at the end. But um, it was a showing of the hiding place 
you know, with the Tin Boom or Tin Boom family, Corey Tin Boom. And so if anybody out there one on if y'all don't know the story, um, we'll talk about it in a little while and it's fantastic and it's a it's um it's a very captivating story. But that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about Turkish coffee. Tell me yes. t- tell me uh you know, I I I have um before honestly we got on um I had not really done much with Turkish coffee. Um I had used an Ibrick, you know, because I'm one of those coffee guys who has to have like every little, you know, brewing <laughs> device. Um <laughs> yeah. But I had uh I had not actually like really dialed in and like, you know, studied about it. Um but tell me, do you use it a lot or what Yeah, so to be honest with you, it's not my favorite brewing method. Um it's one of those things though it, it's very artisanal, it's it's very crafty and so that's what's fun to do it occasionally. Um I don't drink it as much. I'm generally an espresso guy, yeah. <laughs> so I like my Italian espresso at home. Yeah. Uh, but I do enjoy uh, Turkish coffee occasionally. Well, what I'll do is, um, and we can kind of back and forth if you want, um, but kind of give a little background uh, because I do think, you know, it's it's worth having a solo episode on um, the the thing that it's actually that Turkish coffee is made in is called an Ibrik and traditionally it is copper. Um, and just a little bit of history. Um, Turkish coffee was brought into the Ottoman empire in the 15th century. Um, and then it was popularized after that because, um, it got into, I guess you'd say the aristocracy, um, and uh, the fu- the interesting thing is with the Quran, um, strong coffee was considered a drug, and under the strictest interpretations of the Quran, um, initially it was prohibited, but eventually that was lifted because it was pretty popular. Um, and then it did reach Britain and France in the mid to late 17th century, Um and then just kind of went from there. And one interesting thing, and I've actually never seen this, and I don't know, David, if you've seen this, is is using it, using the grounds for, like, fortune-telling. So, like, letting, mm-hmm. so after um, the grounds that are left, and we'll, we'll go into actually the process of Turkish coffee, but the grounds that are left um were sometimes used and sometimes still could be used um, to tell fortunes. Um, And they would turn the cup over into the saucer to let things cool. And then that pattern um, of coffee grounds was then interpreted. Have you ever seen anybody do that? I have. It's, it's a very unique part to it. And I think one of the coolest things I love about Turkish coffee is the historical and cultural aspect of it. Um, and that it was one of the first ways to brew coffee and how it changed, uh, culture in the Middle East, like, and how it got connected even with faith. Like you mentioned the Quran and, uh, a big part of why it grew a lot in the Middle East was, uh, because it was viewed as a substitute to alcohol. Mm. Um, this, this way of brewing this coffee and it was used as a means to keep people awake during their prayer or their studies. And, um, 
or for what we're talking about now is fortunes. Yeah. <laughs> look at the bow and the cup and look at the grinds and there would be a, a fortune for them. And it's so unique. And I think that's one of the coolest things about Turkish coffee is that aspect of it. Well, and tell me, so, you know, there aren't many people, especially in the U.S., who would have actually seen um, it used for fortune telling. And um, so you have been, I guess, several times in the Middle East. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me and my wife, we spent a lot of time in Israel. Uh, we've been to Jordan as well and I uh, love the region, the culture, and the people. Well, tell me, like like Turkish coffee versus like everyday I mean, is that like where where does it fall in line over there as far as uh, like a dominance um, within the coffee world? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, it, it really depends what region you're in, right? And so, um, I know Turkey. Obviously, it, it, the Turkish coffee is still a big thing in, in a lot of cafes now. And the, the, we spent most of our time in Israel, and there's this growing trend uh, more towards modern day coffee. But there is still a little bit of that. Uh, you know, Turkish coffee is a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more rich, and so there. You know, Israelis like their coffee that way, even though there is this trend, and so. You're seeing the coffee movement change a little bit in the Middle East, uh, like it did here in the U.S. But uh, what's cool with that is even though the landscape of coffee as a whole is changing, um, it still means like Turkish coffee is still served at all these cafes. So I'll go into any cafe and they'll have the option to drink Turkish coffee. And it's becoming this thing where it may not be the everyday drinker, Again, this isn't the places that I've been. Uh, I haven't been in every country in the Middle East, obviously. Um, But it's becoming this artisanal, this this craft, this gourmet kind of way of brewing coffee, um, which is super unique, and and I love it. Uh, It's a you know great, in my opinion, just a great experience. Yeah. Well, um, and I'm just curious. So, in the places. Well, let me back up and, and let me tell this to our one-on-oneers out there. So with Turkish coffee, if you haven't had it before, um, we talked about the Ibrik, which is the traditional like little vessel that it's made in. And if um, you haven't seen one of those, um, just look it up. Um, you can Google it, uh, I-B-R-I-K. Um, and it has a couple of other names, but that's the one that I can honestly pronounce. And, and so, so that's the one that we're using here. And um, you you fine grind coffee and you put it in the bottom of this thing, and then um, what I'm about to ask David is is plus or minus on spices and sugar, but uh, uh, and then you add the water and then you put it over uh, heat, um, and we'll go into the details a little later in the episode here of what we would consider like the traditional way to do Turkish coffee. And then, um, honestly, as David was saying, like some of the newer ways, um, that, you know, we're kind of segueing into, into making it. Um, and then I have, I think actually, even though I said, I don't use it that much, I, I used it a lot over the last week, uh, in preparation for this episode. And I have dialed in what I think are a really couple of, I think good, uh, recipes. So, um, so what I was going to ask you is over there, um, when you get it somewhere, um, can, can you run us through 
the process and different variations, or are they do they all have the same shop to shop? Are they automatically adding sugar, or they add any special spices? Hmm. Yeah, I would say really the the two main ways uh, for this particular type of brewing, and oftentimes people think uh, they're the same. I know I used to too. Is you'll hear either Arabic coffee or Turkish coffee. And generally, in a lot of people's minds, they're viewed as the exact same thing. And in many senses, there are. They both, uh, you know, we'll get into more, but they both put the grinds in and how you brew it is the same. Uh, but really the difference is Arabic coffee has a mixture of spices. Uh, so they will actually put spices in with the grinds. And so they use things such as uh, cardamom, saffron, or ginger, while Turkish coffee is just uh, the the grinds. It's just the very powdery grinds and the water that you brew it in. And so that's really the two main difference, even though they're brewed the same way, uh, mm-hmm. just the Arabic, what's considered Arabic coffee actually has this mixture of these different spices to give it a little more flavor and um, spicy flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Rather well, than just the grinds. Well, um, so... I have never had the, I guess you'd say Arabic, um, or with the spices. I have added sugar to it, but um, I'm guessing, have you had the Arabic? I have. Um, it's not my favorite, uh, okay. you know, but I'm used to, you know, this American type of coffee. Um, and so having a lot of spices in coffee <laughs> hasn't reached my palate quite yet. Well, that's okay, and, and, you know, it's to each his own, and honestly, I can't remember if we were talking about this before the interview or, or during it, but, you know, you said you're pretty straightforward, like, just espresso, you know, like, you just like just just the coffee. Yep, just espresso or a good pour-over, that, <laughs> that's I'm pretty basic. Yep, well, um, let me, I'm just going to jump in, and we'll say a little bit about, um, uh, just some of the different ways, um, but start with kind of the more traditional um, Turkish coffee. One thing I'd say is it is a little concentrated. Um, we'll talk about ratios here in a second, um, but this is not just some random drink that you're going to order uh, at your local coffee shop as a like 16 ounce. You know, it's just not, it's not going to come like that. Um, you can do it at home over stovetop, flame sometimes you'll see if you look on google youtube whatever you'll see people doing it in hot sand um you know as their uh base as far as heat goes um and so the traditional um what you would do is your ibric or your little vessel it can make about two or three cups of coffee depending on the size the one that i have at home makes two what they would call cups of coffee and usually that's an espresso cup, so a small cup. And the way that it's traditionally done is they're just going by, um, like you you take a spoonful of, like a heaping spoonful of finely ground coffee, plus or minus a heaping spoonful of sugar, um, like one-to-one, um, you know, for each cup. So, for example, if you're making three cups, then you're putting three heaps of coffee and three heaps of sugar in there. Um, And usually they put the coffee and the sugar in first. um, And then there's variations on 
if you put in room temperature water um, or if you put it slightly higher than that. But one of the benefits of putting anywhere that's not in that extraction zone type of or optimal extraction zone is while you're getting things prepared, you're minimizing the amount of extraction, you know, as far as so that on the back end, you're not over extracting. Um, one thing I would say is if you're getting coffee that's already ground, then it's probably not ground fine enough for Turkish coffee. So what I would recommend is either theoretically you could get um, online um you could get already ground, like fine coffee, but it's not going to be fresh at all. Um, so if you can find a local roaster, um, you know, you can go knock on David's door and, and uh, just ask him if he'll fine grind your coffee for you, um, then he could probably do that. And um, then, you know, you put it, so you have your coffee and your sugar, or plus or minus your sugar. Um, if it's going to be super fresh, like if you're going to have it just after the grind, then you're probably going to have a bloom, so have an awareness of that. So you may want to stir your coffee once after, you know, that bloom has kind of settled down a little bit. But you start heating over the over your flame, and you let it basically like foam up once. And then you take that foam, and you scoop an equal amount into each different cup. And for the traditional turkish coffee like that's the that's like one of the keys so like the aficionados would say that it's not turkish coffee um if you didn't do that you know scooping out the foam step and then you put it back your ibric back on heats you let it rise one more time and then this is when you then evenly distribute the coffee slowly pouring it into the cups um and you're going to leave some of, or hopefully most of, the, the fine ground coffee in your ibric, but you will have some in the cup. Um, and so another thing to say is usually most anybody would say let it cool down for about two to four minutes. Um, we'll, go, we'll get into what I recommend and what David recommends in a second, um, but that's kind of standard. And part of what you're doing is you're letting it cool down, but you're also... Um, you're letting some of those grounds settle to the bottom of the cup. Um, and I will say this this specific recipe is not my favorite recipe, but it is the traditional recipe. What are your thoughts, David? Yeah, it's definitely the, the traditional, and that's about the way I, I do it myself. Um, I skip out on the initial foam, though, uh, yeah. and putting that on the bottom of the cup. I kind of just skip that. Because nobody's watching. Yeah, no one's watching. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I do it pretty basic, um, but I do the same thing. Uh, like I, I measure it by just spoonfuls, by just how much water can fit into uh my copper cup that you boil it in and um and then wait for a little bit let gravity do its work after pouring it in your cup and let the grinds go to the bottom and then sip on it yeah i think it's I, I, even though i said it's not my favorite it's still a super unique cup and what i found is if you dial in what you prefer it's a really great cup um you know to just like like for example the other day i was um it was after lunch. I was starting to get a little tired, but I didn't want, but it's like three thirty, four o'clock. And as much as I love coffee, I'm pretty caffeine sensitive. 
Uh, so I didn't want a ton of caffeine, but I, I just wanted some kind of punch. Um, and so I just did like a little, you know, like, like the equivalent of one cup with what we're talking about. And, uh, it was great. It was enough to just get me just, you know, doing my thing and keeping on going. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, what I'd like to do, uh, is I, I do want to give, you know, you talked about earlier, um, how things are changing with Turkish coffee, um, and one cool thing, and I wish that it would catch on a little more in the U.S. I don't see it as as dominant as as I do in the Middle East and some other areas. Is you know they have actual like you know Turkish coffee championships, um, and so you can find a couple of those champions and their recipes online. Um, there's a guy named Deniz. I'm gonna mess it up. Let's say Deniz Tumbulogu. Tumbulogu. How would you say that? Well, let's see here. I, I think that that's probably as about as good as I can get. <laughs> okay. So um, he was the 2020 Turkish or Ibrik coffee champion, um, and we'll put a YouTube link to um, his recipe. But in short. Um, he used about eight and a half grams of coffee and uh, about seven, 70 milliliters of water, and he started at about 158 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is just for one cup, not for two or three cups. And um, he actually, this was kind of interesting, is he used a slightly coarser grind to prevent that bitterness or that over-extraction. Um, and he put a piece of ice in the cup so that it would cool the cup down and then removed the piece of ice before he made his pour for his cup. And the reason was he wanted to stop that extraction process very quickly. Um, So it's the difference in like for us, like David or myself roasting beans and when the beans go into what we call the cooling tray and, and pulling ambient or room temperature air through there to immediately stop the process versus when you take a steak off of the grill and it continues to kind of cook a little bit um, because you're not immediately stopping that process. So I thought that was super interesting. So he cooled down his cup um, and to prevent that over extraction and he doesn't worry about skimming the foam off. Um, He just lets it boil up, give it a stir, pours and then says, let it sit for a minute. And the reason he would say a minute as opposed to two to four minutes is, again, he has started that process of cooling things by cooling the vessel beforehand. Any thoughts on any of that? Yes, I, I love that recipe. I'm going to give that a try personally um, because I think one of my biggest turnoffs to Turkish coffee is how bitter it is. It's 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 pretty acidic and hard on my stomach. I feel yeah. like when I sip it, and so I love how he how he slows down the extraction process by putting the ice in there to kind of counteract against um, the over extraction and the bitterness. And I definitely want to try that recipe now and see what I can come up with. Yeah, I would say that. And then and then at the beginning <laughs> he um, used coarser coffee but then the flip side Mm -hmm. is i've never i've never done it with coarser coffee so i don't know um 
like I don't want to get coffee grinds like in my teeth or feel like I'm um, drinking coffee grinds. So that that I would have to play with and see. Um, but another thing that's interesting, I didn't say this, but he used a Colombian coffee that was a natural anaerobic processed coffee. So for a lighter roast, which was a lighter roast, that's going to be a super fruity uh, coffee. And so that's one that naturally we would say you probably don't need any sugar. And, and even sugar would probably be off-putting to, you know, a roast like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a recipe um, that I would recommend. Um, but before I get to that, anything else you can think of on, on Turkish coffee? Yeah, you know, I, I think for me and maybe for some of the listeners here, I guess how I have viewed Turkish coffee, my personal experience is, you know, it's served in smaller cups. And so the cups are probably more like six to eight ounces, even less so than that, more like espresso type of cups. And I almost view it and compare it in my mind to like whiskey and wine to alcohol, kind of like Turkish coffee to like pour over Right is it's not something you're going to, you can necessarily chug or have a lot of, it's more something to sip on and enjoy. Um, and that's what, that is what's cool about it. I encourage everyone to try it and experience it, you know, in the brewing of it, but also of, of sipping it too. If you have a local Turkish or middle Eastern, um, restaurant near you to go by and and generally they'll serve turkish coffee there and just try it 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 really is such a unique drink and and beverage to enjoy stick with us i'm kenneth thomas and this is coffee 101 all right 101ers so let's say you are making some turkish coffee and you've got your ibrick and um you're looking for some coffee that would go great in there. What I would recommend is if you are doing it without sugar and you're going to use an humble coffee, I would recommend either the Breakaway or Upper 90 because they're fruity, kind of on their own. Um, that's what I use if I don't use sugar. If I use sugar with my Turkish coffee, then I usually do Front Runner, but sometimes I'll do uh, Base Camp. So that's my recommendations. You can get any of those coffees at humblecoffee.com or you can click on the link in the show notes. That's humblecoffee.com and then you can enjoy a great cup of Turkish coffee. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, so you can get these things for like, I mean, as little as 21 bucks, you know, as, as, as much as we'll say 32 or more. Um, some really great looking, um, even copper, um, uh, which traditionally they use copper, especially on the outside, um, you know, little vessels. And you could totally do this at home, especially if you had a grinder, um, uh, that would, you know, grind reasonably fine. Um, well, let me, I want, I want to tell everybody my recipe. So this is one that I kind of dialed in that I think you can use with or without sugar, and I'll tell you how much sugar to add. Um, one thing I do different as opposed to the heaps, but I did I did measure out, and the heaps are actually uh, fairly accurate um, on, like, some of these numbers I'm going to throw out here. Um, but, you know, I do it by ratio and by weight. Uh, so if you're just doing one cup, I do about a one to nine 
or even if you're doing two cups, I do a one to nine coffee to water ratio. And a cup for me would be eight grams of coffee, of ground coffee, fine ground coffee to about 140, I'm sorry, to about uh, 70 grams of water. Now, if you have fine ground coffee, one heaping spoonful is right at eight to eight and a half grams. Um, so it's pretty spot on um, if you're if you don't have a scale and you just want to do that. Uh, I start with my water just a little hotter. I go I start at like one seventy, um, and if I'm going to use sugar, then I do about five grams of sugar. So the equivalent uh, measured out for that heaping gram, that heaping spoonful of sugar is about 10 grams of sugar. Um, so I'm cutting the amount of sugar from the traditional recipe in half. Um, so when I used a lighter roast to play around with this, I did not add any sugar at all. But then I also used this with a medium and then a dark roast, and I added that five grams of sugar, and uh, it really made it delightful. I thought they were all delightful. So, again, if you're looking at at your for one cup, and you could double this for two or triple it for three, I go eight grams coffee, plus or minus five grams sugar, and then 70 grams or milliliters of, of water. And I do one good stir um, when I place it on the heat, um, and then past that, I don't stir so that I don't mess up. Like I don't, I don't over extract. Basically, um, I skip the foam step, like the guy we talked about earlier, and I just let it foam up one time. And then once it makes that first, you know, foam up, I take it off the heat. Usually for me, that ends up being because I I should probably heat it up faster than I do. But my stovetop, the way it is, it just takes a little longer. But for me, it's about three or four minutes, um, and then I pour, you know, into the cup and um, then let it cool for about four minutes and then just sip until I start getting that grit um, and then, you know, stop. And like like David said, it's like espresso, you know, or for ice cream, it's like gelato. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a little more concentrated, a little finer uh, cup, uh, one that's meant to be enjoyed in slow sips as opposed to like, you know, guzzling as you're like in the middle of traffic. Yes. And definitely beware of those grinds. If you're not, if you're not expecting it, (laughs) you will be surprised when you sip it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you will. And, um, uh, but yeah, so I think it's good, but tell me this and let's shift gears a little bit. Tell me about 10 boom or 10 boom coffee roasters and kind of um your story yeah well man we've been going uh we initially had the vision for what we're doing about two years ago and we uh didn't officially launch till actually about three months ago and that's really when we started getting our coffee and roasting it and being able to uh, provide it for customers here and so we're named Tin Boom Coffee Roasters as we uh mentioned and talked a little bit earlier uh named after a Dutch Christian woman named Corey Timboom and, and her family and their legacy. And uh, the Timbooms have an amazing story that's documented in a well-known book called The Hiding Place. Uh, and it was at a live production of this book that I had met Kenneth and learned about humble coffee and coffee 101. And um, 
And the, the and so you're like, who is this crazy guy, crazy coffee guy, like hitting me up in the middle of this like play? But anyway, go yes, ahead. It's crazy how people connect for sure. And but man, it was awesome. Uh, and you know, not everyone at that play were coffee people, so it was great to talk to a coffee person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so their story is was they helped hide Jews during the Holocaust, and um, they ended up the Tim Boone family ended up getting caught and going to the camp themselves. And it truly is a remarkable story. And and what um happened in, in their journey and and the values and what they stood for and uh and so Corey Timboom was the youngest uh, or not the the middle daughter I, oh my gosh I can't believe I'm going blank uh was one of the daughters in the Timboom family uh she ended up surviving and was the only one of her family that survived uh the camps and it was by a total miracle of God that she was able to get out and um in our time became very well known because her story was documented. She went around, around traveling, sharing her message and telling people of, Hey, don't let evil like this rise up again, uh, stand for good, do the right thing. Um, and so through her travels, she met our family and became very close friends, uh, with our family. And so, uh, we, we consider her our adopted great grandmother, uh, because that's the type of, uh, Mark she was on all of us and and the thing she passed down some of her things like some of her coffee cups and teacups and crazy. Uh, their family were watchmakers and so a couple watches which are just the most beautiful watches and um and so that's kind of our name and the story uh our story gets a little bit better and and when we were starting this week got connected with a company in israel called agro cafe um and our friend hanan and they're doing amazing work. So they're, they will go and implement drip irrigation and fertilization systems uh, and coffee farms around the world, uh, seeing an increase in both the quantity and the quality of the coffee. And uh, they bring that coffee in, and they've been roasting in, in, in Israel. And uh, we got connected with them and are now working hand-in-hand and partnering together to bring that same coffee here in the U.S. And sharing this unique story of the impact they're having on farms and coffee growers around the world. And then pairing that with the legacy and heritage of the Tim Boom family. And it's been a really unique story um, that we're building out and excited just to continue to share with people. It's uh, for all the coffee lovers, it is exceptionally good coffee. You know, of course it's all been graded, especially coffee. Um, and it to me it is my favorite it's smooth it's you know not super acidic and um so it or at least the beans we have in right now are, are amazing and um so yeah that, that's a little bit about us we're super excited we've been going we uh have our website timboom.coffee and so that's where we're really focused right now mm-hmm. is we're wanting to build this uh coffee brand here in the states and focusing on direct to consumer model and being able to get coffee in people's homes. And that's really is our mission and our goal. That's awesome. So, so did you say, and you may have said this, so, so are you roasting or are they roasting overseas or how, or is that, are y'all supporting each other? How does that work? Yeah, so they have headquarters in Israel in which they have a, a roaster there, uh, an amazing roaster. Uh, but as far as our operations here in the States go is we have a, our own roaster here, you know, to keep the freshness of the coffee, yeah. of course. Um, and so, but we work hand-in-hand with them uh, to develop the roast. And Agro Cafe, they, um, 
you know, they provide expertise uh, and, and experience when it comes to coffee and the product. Um, fun fact, our partner, Hanan, uh, he's the only Q grader in all of Israel. That's awesome. And so he's amazing to have on our team. Yeah. And so um, we're very delighted uh, to have them as partners. And so, yeah, we roast here in the States. Um, and so we can get it nice and fresh at people's doorsteps. Yeah. Well, um, so for one on oneers out there, if you if you're if you don't know what a Q grader is, think of a sommelier, um, but for coffee. Um, and I am working on trying to figure out uh, getting to Q Q school myself sometime. Um, I had one set for coming up, but I had to reschedule it. Um, but I think it's pretty intense. Like, I don't think everybody just magically passes. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the failure rate is, but I think it's like pretty high. I mean, for what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe last I heard in the U S you think how big the coffee market is in the U S and how many people love coffee. And there's only like 550 total. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if you think of the grand scheme of it, that's not that many. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, well, okay, so let me um, – I just want to go back just a little bit and kind of geek out a little on the uh, Tin Boom story. Um, so for the one-on-oneers out there, and this is not something that, um, you know, the show – we really focus on or talk about uh this is a little different this is not this is not coffee um as much but but david is in uh, a really unique and special place in that um he and his family were um part of that latter part of life for cory ten boom um and if you haven't read The Hiding Place, again, this has nothing to do with coffee, um, except, of course, you know, they drank coffee there. You know, they were watchmakers, but um, but you need to read The Hiding Place. Um, you know, it's to me, it's more compelling um, than The Diary of Anne Frank, even though that's, you know, one of those wartime books that everybody um, reads. And I, I tell you, David, the thing that, and you and I met at a a play rendition of this that was, um, I think, done by, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Blanket, Andrew Peterson's brother. What's mm -hmm. is it? Correct. What's his A.S. Peterson. Yes, okay. Yeah, so, um, and I'm a huge Andrew Peterson fan, um, and, and <laughs> now his brother as well, um, but... The, with the book and with the play, which the play is not on right now, this was just a just a you know production for a little while in in outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I tell you what crushed me is Betsy Tinboom, like mm -hmm. Corey's Corey's sister, and like her her like um, just eternally optimistic like attitude about everything. Like like if if I could pick somebody that I wanted everybody around me to emulate and I and I would hope that I could emulate, like it it would be her. Mm -hmm. I mean she was um uh and Corey would even say this about herself is 
you know, she could kind of be impatient and cantankerous. Um, and, but man, like, I don't know. I just felt like Betsy could always put her like, you know, back in her place. That is uh, very true. It was, it was sweet. We talked with um, the production team of that uh, of that play, and they, they had asked us our, our thoughts and opinions on it because uh, our family was very close to Corey and, and know, knew her on a very personal level. You know, knew her about her heartbreaks and her crushes, you know, and what she struggled with. And one thing I loved about it is they showed the humanity side of, of what she went through. And you see that a lot when you read the book as well as the humanity side of Corey and how she struggled and struggled with her faith. And, uh, but yeah, her sister was just amazing and just being this constant encouragement and, and breath of hope and life in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, and I think I think there's definitely something you know to learn there. Um, what you're talking about humanity, like like to me when people like you know kind of put the armor to the side a little bit and and show some brokenness and some vulnerability, then all of a sudden, like when when you're talking about connection between people, and and you could apply this to the coffee industry and to coffee friends or you know, people you're meeting in the coffee shop or whatever. But, um, if you can, if you can be that person that is willing to be a little vulnerable, then all of a sudden, like everybody's broken. And so like, like all of a sudden they're going to, there's going to be like a me too moment or like a, I, like a, I identify with this imperfection, you know, as opposed to the cookie cutter, I got it all together, which we don't. You know, um, so yeah, I think Corey, uh, I think that in that play and in that book, which the book was written, you know, a long time ago, um, you know, they really, I, I, I think it was nice for her to allow them to be, you know, honest about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one last thing to uh, the Tim Booms and their story and connecting it all with coffee is uh, when you read the book and and, uh, coffee was a big part of it and was a big part of their story when they would have the Jewish families in their home, they would conversate and get together over coffee. And uh, one of the most things about this journey for me and since we started uh, Tim Boom Coffee was I've gotten to connect with a lot lot of coffee Corey's acquaintances and people she walked with. And, and so I I was talking with one of her, um, old secretaries that used to work for her in the latter half of her life. And she said that Corey had the saying, it was 10 o'clock coffee. Yeah. It was every single day at 10 o'clock. She would have coffee with friends, family, whoever, and it'll be her time just to sit there and conversate and connect with people. And it was every single day and coffee was huge for her in her life. She wouldn't miss a day without it. And so it was, you know, it's really fun to hear that. And, uh, when I, when I heard that from her, old secretary, I felt like for me, that was the first moment where when, since we had started this, this was a moment, like I felt like this was Corey's vision, yeah. uh, in, in 10 boom coffee yeah, because how much I knew she loved coffee and cared about it and saw how it was used to connect people. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a really special story and we're honored to take it forth in our culture and world today. Yeah. And so for one oneers out there, uh, it's, uh, 10 boom dot coffee 
So tinboom.coffee, and uh, we will put a link in the show notes. And so, so David and I would say that we want you to do like Corey did, and um, you know, sit over a great cup of coffee, a cup of Tin Boom coffee, and um, you know, just chill with your friends and family, and 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 protect, which I know a lot of you who are listeners do, but protect that time. Um, that you have with coffee and and use it sometimes, if not all the time, um, to foster relationships because, um, yeah, that's one of the important things in life. Absolutely. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? I think I'm about good. That was a great conversation, a lot of fun. All right, well, it's a pleasure having you on. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. All right, so now you see why it's perfect for me to get David with Tin Boom Roasters on the show today for Turkish Coffee. Yes. Yep, so he's got the connection even currently uh-huh. um, in an area where there's predominantly a lot of Turkish coffee still being made. Uh-huh. Um, and then super cool and kind of selfishly on, on my part um, just to be able to geek out with somebody who knew the Tin Boom family because uh-huh. um, you and I know that story. Right. Um, and so that was kind of fun, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And he's, he's just a great guy. So, um, you know, I think his coffee company is going to continue to do well, and it's doing great right now. And uh, so he'll be a fun friend to have over the years. Yeah. All right. That's all we got for y'all today on Coffee 101. So do us a favor and rate us. Give us a rating and um, you can leave a review. Um, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to read all of the reviews. If you have something you want us to talk about, please leave it there. Or you can DM us on any social media that we use. Um, We use Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. So you can check us out there through Humble Coffee. And until we talk to y'all next time, peace out. Love you. Stay humble.